Thanks for joining us at Colts to Consciousness. This storytelling podcast is meant to be for entertainment purposes only and does not substitute for any medical advice. We may discuss triggering topics and we ask that you make your personal mental health a priority. Lastly, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the host. When I would go around his family, people couldn't even look at him. It just it doesn't make any sense. I've even had people like that would like shut in their face. Stuff like that would really just mess with me. It just makes you feel like that you're not human. Yeah. Or that you're repulsive. Me not knowing anything at this time, I'm like, wouldn't you want to wrap your arms around him? Yeah. Instead of turning around when you see his face? Yeah, it's just not a good feeling. Hey guys, my name is Shalise Ansola, and this is Cults to Consciousness, where we discuss leaving high-demand religions or organizations and finding healing and independence through awareness and true individual sovereignty. If you're listening only and you want to see all three of our faces, that's right, we got two guests today. Go to my YouTube at Cults to Consciousness, where you can like and subscribe, become a part of the conversation, let us know what you think of the episode, if you have anything to add. I love interacting with you guys there, and it also helps the algorithm so more people find the channel. So today's two guests, they are a husband and wife pair. And the husband, he actually grew up in Jehovah's Witnesses. So if you've seen my previous episodes on Jehovah's Witnesses, you know what it's about. But don't worry, if you are completely new to it, we will explain things as we go. And his wife here was the one who was the guiding light, helping him find his footing after he got out of the religion and needed some help on getting his life going because Jehovah's Witnesses was all that he knew. So thank you so much for joining us. Author of Cult Language, Rome, and your wife, India, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. I was happy when you reached out and your book also looks really interesting. Admittedly, I haven't read it, but that's only because I met you like a day ago and <laughs> and it's okay. it's in the queue. All right. But we're going to get some sneak previews as to what's in your book. And it was only released a couple months ago. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So let's just get into it. Tell everybody where you grew up and how you grew up. And we'll just get into all the nitty gritty of what it was like being raised as a Jehovah's Witness. All right. Well, I grew up in the in Virginia, Southern Virginia, so the Tidewater area. For anybody in the seven five seven, I pretty much grew up down there. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, pretty pretty much my my whole, I would say, yeah, all the way through teenage years, adolescence, all of that, I went through as a Jehovah's Witness. So, um, pretty much, I would say, yeah. Your yeah. whole childhood, basically. My whole childhood, yeah. Like now, yeah. I'm really like yeah. I'm really putting it in perspective again, and I'm just like, man, it's not, it's not. like yeah, literally up to like adulthood, like right up to that point, uh, because I was disfellowshipped two years. I mean, excuse me, I was disfellowshipped from or excommunicated from the religion uh, two weeks prior to to my 19th birthday. So, mm. and it was right after I graduated high school. So it was. It was right at that time when I had to really transition. Yeah. Okay. So for people who aren't familiar, as promised, maybe give just like a brief in a nutshell what the Jehovah's Witness organization is, kind of the loose beliefs, I guess, like a few bullet points of what they believe, and it will help paint the picture as to why it may have been a different childhood from someone who wasn't raised in it. Yeah. So uh, the Jehovah's Witness religion is derived uh, loosely from Christianity. Um, mm. And it is an organization that was started back in 1883 uh, from this guy named Charles Taz Russell. And uh, he he pretty much was, was in the Christian uh, faith and in the church. And he decided to break off and create this, this separate group. And uh, from there, they were uh, pretty much indoctrinated with, with his ideals and, and uh, pretty much the leaders that took over uh, from those uh, years on um, you know, all the way from, uh, man, I can't think of the other guy's name at this, at the moment, but there was a leader that took over for, for Charles Taz Russell in the thirties that ended up taking and, and creating new doctrines mm. based off of, uh, his interpretation of scripture. Uh, one of the doctrines that sticks out is disfellowshipping, uh, and it disfellowshipping is basically where if you are a believer and you are baptized into this faith, 
and you you have pretty much um, you are down. You are you know you pretty much like if you're thinking about in gang terms, it's like you you've been jumped in and you are you are down for life uh, type of thing. So uh, yeah, so once you are at the point where you have sinned and you are you know looking for some type of spiritual clarity or you 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 want to you want to excuse me admit your sins uh that that process then takes you to this group of elders which is like a judicial committee and they are the ones that define your your status moving forward and that mm-hmm. status uh is is crucial because once you're excommunicated everything that you know is gone like yeah. literally everything is gone um uh my my entire support system my mother, my friends, my family. Um, I, I mean, I had family that was outside of the faith that that I had to start trying to lean on a little bit more um, because of the fact that I wasn't involved in the religion as heavily. Um, mm. But that was that was a little awkward, of course, because it's like, all right, you know, I haven't been able to really hang with you all these years, but now it's like I'm out and I need you. You know, yeah. it, so it, it just it just made things a little weird. Yeah, and that's a really great overview. And now listeners can know what to expect when we get towards the end here. But let's really get into what it was like growing up in this way. And I think one of the things that stands out to me, if people don't know this, um, unless you may have watched one of my episodes, like with Brooke, for example, we talk about you can't celebrate birthdays or holidays. And I want to hear from your perspective. And I know from one of your previous podcasts, which we can link in the description below, that your father was not Jehovah's Witness. So I want to hear what it was like in a, we call it a mixed faith marriage, growing up in your family and what the holidays looked like, how it affected you as a kid. Man, so I'll, I'll start with I'll start with the holidays first. Um, first thing that comes to mind when I think about the holidays is way back when, when I was in second grade, um, my mom, well, any school year, I, I want to say up until really throughout elementary and so forth, she would go with me to, on the first day of school to speak with my teachers and have that sit down and let them know, like, all right, mm-hmm. this is a new school year. This is my son. We're Jehovah's Witnesses and he does not participate in X, Y, Z. So that's holidays, uh, you know, standing for the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, you know, just any type of extracurricular activity. Like I couldn't play any sports growing up, things like that. Oh, wow. um, I, I have a I have a story about me going for the basketball team. I'll get into here shortly. But oh, I can't wait. But as far as the the Halloween stuff, like growing up, it was just it was so awkward because kids would get candy and they would get get these bags. And like I said, this particular time in second grade, you know, they were pan- handing out the, the candy bags and so forth. And my, my boy at the time, uh, he had, he was like, you know what? I know you can't eat the candy, but I want to give you half the bag. Aww. Right. So I, I, I mean, of course it was like, it was heartwarming. It was like, yeah, I'm gonna take this candy. Cause I really want, I was a fat kid growing up. So, I like <laughs> to eat. you know, so, um, yeah, so I definitely, you know, I was thankful for that candy. So I went home and I remember feeling so guilty that I took it. Like so yeah. guilty. Think, think about like an eight, nine year old kid that just feels like the world is about to end because I just took this candy. I didn't even eat it yet. I ended mm. up eating it though, of course, but I felt bad <laughs> that I ate it, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so hard to put that pressure on a child because I'm all for when you are an adult and you want to make your own decisions, by all means, if you don't want to participate in holidays, don't do it. That's totally up to you. But when it comes to the kids, they don't know why. Or I mean, you can tell them, but they don't really process it. They just feel left out. And from that story, it's so heartbreaking. And of course, you're not going to have the self-control to not eat the candy. Of course, you're going to eat the candy. But then you have to deal with the guilt that comes along with that. And I just think that's so unfair to kids to put that type of guilt and shame on a child for doing nothing wrong. I mean, eating candy is part of being a kid. And the fact that you had to feel that so young is just it's, – it's really heartbreaking. And I'm sure – like you recount it now and it's, you know, you're telling it like it's no big deal, but it is a big deal. And I hope you understand that. And I hope you're able to look back at your experiences and give yourself grace and allowances and and love that little inner you, a little child that never really got to participate in those 
types of things. Were there any other holidays that were particularly difficult for you? Um, holiday wise, Christmas uh, was was always tough for me. Um, but but even just more than that, like my birthday would, would always be hard. Um, I honestly never celebrated my birthday up until what? You met me three years ago. Like yeah, no, like I'm talking about could, like like legitimately yeah. like had like a party felt okay and ha- and felt okay yeah and yeah like, when she, you turned thirty yeah when she when I turned yeah. thirty my wife she threw me a surprise party and mm-hmm. um, I was just floored by that like that was something that was very special to me because I just I just always grown up believing that my birthday was just wrong in a sense yeah. and then w- once I found out and I grew up and I found out why <laughs> it was. Um, the doctrine and what what the root of it really was, I was just like, this is a joke. Like, oh, come on, man. Like, I missed out on all this. Tell the people what the rule was. Yeah, tell them. <laughs> so the <laughs> so I speak about it a little bit in, in my book where the the doctrine is in a nutshell. There's two stories. The, the two sto- the two times that the Bible speaks about birthday parties, somebody died. One mm-hmm. time it was with King Herod, um, and the other time was with John the Baptist. And they cut they they cut off his head during the birthday party. It, it, you know what I mean? It just it, basically they went off of the fact that these two birthday parties were negative, and being that these are the mm-hmm. only two references of a birthday party in the Bible, we shouldn't be celebrating yeah. birthdays. That's essentially yeah. what the rule is. So that's an awful rule. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that you've uh, gotten rid of that completely in your psyche, because I know as someone who grew up in a very similar religion, I did I did two whole episodes on how Mormonism is like Jehovah's Witnesses, because we thought we would just get it done in an hour. And there was so much that we're like, you too, me too. It was just kept going forever. Yeah. <laughs> so I can totally relate. I can't relate to the birthday thing. I, I will say that. But I can totally relate to just doing things because you're told that and just kind of blind obedience and uh, looking up to these leaders as though they're speaking for God and that's just the way that it is and you just kind of have to deal with it. I know that you had your own special Bible, which sewed in Mormons, by the way, Joseph Smith translation of the King James Version. Uh, What were some other things that you were kind of forced to do or follow or arbitrary rules that came from the Bible? And if so, was it because you had a special Bible that kind of added to the doctrine. Did that make sense? Was that a clear question? Um, I'm following. I'm yeah. following. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like they, when they rewrote the Bible, remember when I yeah, was studying? Yeah. Like so, they reworded it for for it to be updated to how people speak today. Yes. But so, some things were a little different. Because <laughs> the, ver- the version that, that she's speaking of, uh, so the, the Jehovah's Witness religion, they use the, the New World Translation. Mm-hmm. That's what they call it. Okay. And it's basically where it's not the thy the thou and all mm-hmm. of that. It, it, they they basically manipulated it or reworded it, excuse me, uh, to fit today's vernacular. Mm-hmm. Um, but with them doing that, there are certain things that they are tweaking with that. Um, one thing that that comes to mind uh, was in regards to. I believe field service. So field service for for Jehovah's Witnesses was was a huge well is a huge thing because mm-hmm. it's a it's a sign and an act of faith, right? Where you're going out and you're preaching to to those all over the world, you know, door to door, you know, when they're knocking on your door, nine in the morning, Saturday morning, that that's what it is. It's called field service. So with that in in that in the old new new world translation version. There was nothing really pertaining to pioneering. There wasn't a lot of verbiage around pioneering, right? Um, which pioneering is, for those who don't know, is when you commit 50 hours uh, to preaching time um, as a Jehovah's Witness. So uh, there was vernacular that was changed that I that I ended up noticing over the... I can't tell you what scripture exactly, but there was just, you know, words put in that translation such as pioneering when pioneering itself isn't really an actual biblical thing mm. like it, like it just it's just something that is a more of a corporatized act that watchtower has put in place to really put their people as a statistic so 
Right. Was it part of like doctor doctrine and then kind of put in to the new No, era? no, it was yeah, it was okay. made in doctrine and then you then all of a sudden you see it slip in this new version. You seen that one. Uh, <laughs> of the of the, <laughs> of the Bible and it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's one of the things that drives me nuts about this whole new revelation, I guess you could call it. And that's what they call it is, oh, we've received divine revelation that this was wrong and this is how we do it now. And then mm-hmm. they change everything. And then if you were to ask them 10 years later, hey, remember that thing that we used to do that was doctrine? They'd be like, what? We didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's so messed up and they literally gaslight yeah. you and you're like, no, no, no. I did that as a kid. It's not even like you're trying to trick the next generation. It's like, the people that you're talking to currently did the thing that you said that we never did. And it's so crazy. And I'm speaking personally about Mormonism because that's they do that all the time. So was it similar with that or similar to that with you where they would just change things constantly and you just have to adapt to the new rules? Girl, I can't do so. <laughs> I, I, I speak on it in the book, too, where there are certain dates. It's 1975. 1984, the year 2000, 2012, 2015, and 2020, if I'm not mistaken, were all like predicted <laughs> years that the world was going to end. Mm. That I <laughs> like, I'll never forget when, when 2000, when the year 2000 came, like there was so much uh, discourses given on the platform around like, oh, this might be the sign of the end. And, you know, this is the last days. Uh, you'll hear that term a lot in the, in the witness uh, yeah. culture um, because they just live off that doomsday type of mentality. And it, it was scary as a kid because it's like you sitting up here, you watching, you know, a normal New Year's Eve ball drop. And you're thinking that when this ball drops, everything's going to just be destructed. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, now, granted, there was, you know, a, a lot of that Y2K stuff around that time anyway, but it was just enhanced even more um, from a Jehovah's Witness perspective. Because it was just like, this was all, oh, this is perfect. Now we can, we have something that we can go off of. And then they would switch it up. And what they would call it is new light. They would say that they pretty much say, uh... oh, we, we have, to, as the governing body who is, the overseers and the pretty much the heads of this religion, they will just come out of nowhere and say, Oh, new light. We we have received new light from God and this is our new doctrine or this is the new rule or we're, we're gonna do away with this. And it's it's just always looked at as this this new light. And it's really just a cover up for for them making up something. Yeah, of course. And usually they blame the members. The reason the world didn't end is because you weren't faithful enough. It's like, hmm, that's why. That's why I didn't end. <laughs> um, I wanted to know how invested you were as a kid because you did say that you were afraid of the the world ending, which of course, but I want to know when you were growing up, if you really truly believed the doctrine because you also had a parent that wasn't Jehovah's Witness. So were you kind of balanced out at all? Was your father involved in trying to tell you, yeah, that's not actually a thing? What was going on at home? It was a mind fuck. It was a mind fuck growing up uh, with a Baptist father and a Jehovah's Witness mother. Um, to answer your question, did I sway between the, the two sides? Yes. I, I was a diehard Jehovah's Witness. That was, mm. like I said, I, that was what I was born into. My dad, he wasn't religious the first couple of years of my life, the first 12 years of my life, um, he didn't get saved until he, till I was 12. And, mm. um, my, up until that time, I'm just, I'm indoctrinated as a Jehovah's witness. Like I'm going to the kingdom hall. I'm, I'm doing talks on the stage, doing these Bible wow. readings. I'm in, I'm in field service. So I'm, I'm, I'm in it. So as far as like, once my dad became saved, of course, his conviction was he wanted to make sure that his son and his family would be saved as well. Right. So, yeah. you know, he would, you know, put this information on us just out of nowhere. And it was, it was a lot because it was like, man, like this whole time, you know, you've been kind of like just out here, like you've been worldly, you know, yeah, been, yeah. <laughs> he had his struggles and, and so forth. So, uh, and then all of a sudden you throw in this Bible at me and it's completely different from what I interpret of it. Right. So it was, it was almost like a, 
I mean, I'll be honest with you, it was almost like a disrespect that kind of went into it. Like I wasn't disrespectful mm. to him, but it it's like I, I remember having conversations with him till four in the morning where he got his books all out and I got my books out and we went <gasps> back and forth about a topic. Yeah. And it, it was just looking back on it, it, it was a, it was a very eye-opening because th- that was a, a moment where me and my dad actually bonded. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, over, you know, over the Bible, but it was still like a debate, you know. And yeah. I, um, there was there were little things that I did pick up over time that uh, that did stick with me once I woke up. Do you remember any of those instances? Because I imagine he would have a different Bible than you. And if you're trying to compare, it would be like I'm literally just comparing two different books. Like how. How were you able to, because I I thought it would go the opposite way where you're just like, well, you're wrong and I'm right. Well, you're wrong and I'm right. Well, I guess that's it. But you actually bonded over this. So was there any kind of common ground that you found that you could latch on to and agree with? That you're supposed to love people. There you go. Well, that's kind of like what religion was supposed to be, right? (laughs) (laughs) Until everyone messed it up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, wow. but, but in a way, we were still on opposite ends. Yeah. So. How did that affect your relationship moving forward as a 12-year-old, which I'm sure at this point you're super in it, as you mentioned, and you know what's the, quote, right way. He knows what's the right way. And then you have your mother, who's also probably in the middle of it. How did that affect your relationship with both parents? Um, I mean, my, my mom, it didn't really affect too much of anything because you know to her perspective she's like i'm winning <laughs> it's on my side um that's funny but for my dad it was it it, it was different it was just very different because i i was used i wasn't used to this disciplinarian because like i said my dad me and him he, my dad was my homeboy like my dad recently just passed uh, in february uh, mm. by the way and he, me and him were very close um leading up to his to his passing but before that like we we like I said, we had a buddy buddy type of uh, relationship, not necessarily a father son relationship. Uh, too much uh, leading up to that point. So, like once the whole Bible, like w- w- once he started going to church and everything, and all this stuff started coming up, it did put a strain on us because there were moments where, and I'll speak on this really quick, where there was uh, there was a time when I was actually having a Bible study with a brother. Because I wasn't baptized yet at this time mm. when I was 12. So, you know, I would have Bible studies um, with uh, different brothers and so forth. And this one particular brother was like a mentor to me. And over the, over the years leading up to my dad being saved, it was never a problem for the brothers to come over and have a Bible study with me. Right. Of course, once he had this new conviction, it was like, I will never allow another man to teach my oh. son these things in my house and literally he came home it was on a sunday it was after a meeting and he had got home from church we was in the living room and he was just like you gotta go he was like you gotta go he told the guy he was like you just you just gotta go i can't i can't allow you to do this to my son oh my, my goodness house. he said you can you can go you you can go anywhere else but he said you just can't do it here so he kicked him out um and i remember i was so upset i was crying i ran upstairs I balled up and everything, and he mm. just was like, "You just, you just don't understand, son. You just don't understand. You know what I mean? You'll understand one day that I was trying to protect you." And yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's so, that's so sad, but precious. And I like, I get both yeah. sides, of course. And just for clarification, mm. these people who are coming to do Bible study with you were they from Jehovah's Witnesses or from another Christian denomination? No, they Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes. Okay, was, so uh, that makes more elders. sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I want to get to how your relationships developed after you left. But before we get into you leaving, I have to know the basketball story. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So real quick, my bad. Uh, Ninth grade, freshman year, I I love to hoop. One thing, like I I love the game of basketball, whether or not I'm actually really great at it is another thing. But uh Ninth grade, my boy, he was going out for the basketball team after school and I was with him and he was just like, you know what? You should just, you should just come to the tryout, you know, just, just to come and just hang out. Right. So I lived across the street from my school. So it was no problem for me to stay um, after school. But 
once they started doing the drills and everything, the coach was like, do you want to try out? Because I'm just looking like, man, like, I, you know, I want to I want to play, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So, um, so yeah, so he, I went ahead and I tried out and he was like, all right, well, you made the first cut, but you need to take a physical. So, uh-huh. um, I'm like, man, so if I got to take a physical, that means I got to tell my mama. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because my dad worked nights and and I think he was already gone for work and so forth. And I know he would have did it, but I didn't have anybody to take me. And I, and I I just was, I was terrified to tell my mother. I did not tell her. Um, I think I took, I told her maybe years after the fact. Um, but my sister, my older sister, she ended up taking me. I, I hit her up and she, she took me to get my physical Aww. and I officially tried out for the team. I didn't make the last cut. Um, but I think I didn't make it because I just didn't put my all into it because I just knew if I did make the team, I'm not going to be able to play. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, what happens if you made it? <laughs> I, will, I wasn't going to play. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, if my, if my dad gave, if I, I did play that fence every once in a while, though, where it would be like, if I wanted to really do something, I could go to my dad and he <laughs> would just like push it through. And that probably would have been one of those things, but it would have put a strain on my my relationship with my mom for sure. Yeah. So you're playing the fence, like literally playing the fence. And uh, you eventually, I think you mentioned in your podcast, you started, quote, sinning, if you will. And walk us through that experience of what it was like, <clears throat> what got you to the point where you didn't care enough about the doctrine or you just wanted to be a kid because let's face it, we've all been there. And what it was like being excommunicated. Is it disfellowshipped or excommunicated? Or are they interchangeable? Same difference. Same difference. But the term, you know, internally is usually disfellowshipping, but but same, same meaning. Uh as far as like what that looked like though, um I, it was mostly me wanting to be a kid. I just wanted to be a kid. You know, uh it was everything like my friends, they were doing this stuff. Granted, you know, some of it was wrong. But I just, like I said, I'm, I'm being a kid. I wanted to, you know, just kind of just get my feet wet with certain things. And once, uh, once I had got really like deep into it, it, it wasn't, I'll answer, I'll, let me answer your question with like this. I never questioned the doctrine. Mm-hmm. I never questioned it. It was never, it was never a thing of like, um, well, man, I got my doubts. And I'm going to start doing this. Right? right. It was just like, all right, there was just certain things that just weren't consistent to me. But it was like, all right. But I've always been told to believe it. Right. Um, and when when it got to doing all the, you know, the sinning and, you know, partying and all that stuff. It was just I just wanted to be a kid, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then um, how it went down and so forth. Um, I, there was a, a friend of mine who ended up getting caught up in something. And I just felt as if that it was just right for me to speak up on on my situation as well and going into that I really felt as if like I wasn't going to get this fellowship um but weirdly enough there was a piece of me that kind of wanted to um because I just kind of wanted to break free look you know looking back on it and so forth but so going into that judicial uh, committee meeting with those brothers, um, you know, I was just, I just kept it 100 with them. I told them exactly, you know, what had happened. Uh, there was one particular brother that, that really had my back. Um, and I could tell, I could really hear him in the back, really trying to just plead, you know, my case for, for me and, um, was, was really trying to, you know, keep me into the fold because he, I think he could tell that if, if this one makes it out, if he makes it out, he's not coming back <laughs> type of thing. So, yeah. So, but they, it was a two to three, no, two to one vote out of the three. And I was just fellowshiped. And, you know, usually you, you're supposed to come right back, right? You know, they encourage you to start coming back to the meetings to go down this little path. But, and I, and I started on it, but I just was more interested to find myself outside of it, um, yeah. so to speak. And and then that's when things started getting a little rough. What was your mom's reaction to this? Because at this point, she's not winning, right? According to <laughs> what they tell parents yeah, yeah. of like, if you if you're doing it right, then your kid is a saint, which 
hello, no child is going to be a saint anyway. But I'm sure it took a toll on her. Do you know how she felt about the whole thing? Oh, yeah. She was devastated. I mean, uh, my mother has four children. Uh, All of us were raised as Jehovah's Witnesses. Three of us were baptized into it. One of uh, one of her children, she was yeah. She just yeah. She won't go do that. She wasn't gonna be down. Um, but I think all he, three. Oh, uh-huh. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you. No, I go think ahead. He, he definitely had the most potential to stay within the yes organization. Yes. Okay. So sorry. Just just most. knowing what no, I know now. No, that's a good point. I think yeah. So I think that was probably even more devastating for her. Mm-hmm. She's kind of she didn't share it in those words, but. Um, so I could, that may, probably made it even more devastating because yeah. out of the three who were baptized, probably was looking more towards that he was going to stay in. And he's the mm-hmm. youngest out of his siblings, too. They were older. So mm-hmm. um, I yeah. think that, yeah, I think it was a big deal, like a huge deal for her. No, nah, for sure. Yeah. And even like with um, now, that, now that you're mentioning that, my brother, he was he actually made it a little bit higher mm-hmm. up the rankings than, than I did. He was a, a ministerial servant, which is next to an elder, which is pretty much the highest position in the congregation. So, you know, he, he went a little further. His, his experience was, was totally different. Um, and I'm not going to speak on you know what exactly went on with him, but as far as like myself was concerned at that time, it was even more devastating because I was on that trajectory. Mm-hmm. So, like if I stayed, I probably would have been a minister of service myself. You would have like been all in. Less than a year. I would have been all in. He would have been know? all in. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like a, they were blown. How did your family react as far as the disconnection goes? I know for people who aren't aware and tell me if I'm getting this right. When someone is excommunicated, the family is encouraged to shun or disconnect from the person who was excommunicated in order to somehow inspire that person to come back to God. It doesn't really make sense in my opinion, but, (laughs) but did you, did you have to go through that with your mom and were you still living at home? What, what did that look like? So I did live at home at the time. So it was very rough. However, my situation was way better than a lot of other kids in, in my situation, because for those who grew up with both witness parents, they're on the street. They're getting put on the street. Like, I literally know of people who were put on the street wow. um, when they were disfellowship and they were just cast aside. Now, as far as my household was concerned, I had my dad, right? My dad wasn't going to put me on the street, you know? And and he knew the disfellowshipping arrangement. He knew everything that went into it. He knew that my mother was doing this as an act of faith. So he didn't, he didn't make a fuss about it, but he never liked it. He hated it. Even even to this, you know, up until his passing, yeah. he, he just he he really resented my mother for it. Um, I feel like because it, it tore his family apart in a sense, because I wasn't it, like, for instance, if there's a, like a cookout, like a, just a normal family cookout, um, you know, I'm on eggshells. You know, I, I could I could speak to this group, but I can't speak to this group over here. And it's just yeah, it, it's just. I've even had people who were invited to these cookouts that were like my grandmother's friends who just didn't want to look at me like that would like shut in their face. And it's just like stuff like that would really just mess with me. Like, you know what I mean? And it would, it would just, it would just really take me down. Cause I just, it just makes you feel like that you're not human in a sense. Right. Um, so, or that you're repulsive. Um, and yeah, it's just not a good feeling. Um, or so, unworthy, yeah. which is or unwor- there yeah. the, That's worst. the word. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, any of those descriptive words work for that situation. Just that feeling of being ignored because of something that you did wrong. Already you're feeling guilty about it, which is why you turned yourself in. And then to have other people layer on the shame and the shame and the shame it's not good for people. And I don't understand how that's supposed to make things better. Or I don't understand why that's what God would want people to do is to shame and judge because it's none of their business, not their job to judge. You know, they should be welcoming you. And I mean, honestly, 
Mormonism kind of does the opposite. Sometimes they love bomb you, where it's like so much love that you're just like, oh, get away from me. <laughs> I don't want to come back. Um, but honestly, I, I think being iced out would be a much worse situation because like you said, it makes you feel dehumanized and not worthy of someone's basic attention. Just the fact of saying hello to saying hello to you and you don't even get that common courtesy. So I want to jump over to India. And now <laughs> I apologize for not being able to bring you into the conversation sooner. No um, problem. <laughs> I I want to hear from you. Well, first of all, I need to know when you two met in this, this timeline. So you're around 19 now. At what point did you meet? And what was your reaction, India, to everything that Rome was dealing with? So we met, you were 20? Yeah. So we met like right after he a was little bit. This probably fellowship. about a, a year and a yeah. half after. We 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 met very shortly after. Mm -hmm. And I think in the beginning when he when he ex explained it to me, I think he explained it as much as he could. And also from what I knew about the religion looking on the outside and where I'm from and seeing the knocking on your door and seeing the literature, like the watchtower, like the end of the world thing, that would that scared me when they <laughs> would show that literature or try to share it with me. And I wasn't even in the religion. Yeah. And it scared me because it's like, why are you trying to make me think the world is about to end? Like, leave me alone. So yeah. it scared me. But um it made me actually curious. Um, and I think it actually, in a way, it helped us because mm -hmm. I wanted to understand him more because I was finding, you know, we were very different. You know, I grew up in a very free spirit, um, spiritually free environment. Yes, I had family members that were part of you know, religious organizations that maybe looked down on like myself with my mom, my village that raised me, but we didn't let that bother us. I was raised to love other people. I was raised a lot of the things the Bible actually says without following the Bible, to be honest. Yeah. I was raised to like love everyone else as myself. I was, I was raised to accept people. I was raised to be kind. You know, I was raised a lot of these things. I was raised to, um, to be able to accept myself and love myself too. So it just made me more interested in wanting to understand what he went through. Because when I would go around his family, hence what we just spoke about, and I would see how people couldn't even look at him. And it, to me, it just it doesn't make any sense. And, I'm, and me not knowing anything at this time, I'm like, wouldn't you want to wrap your arms around him? Yeah. Instead of like just turning around when you see his face, not even saying hello, even to this day, it still angers me. But so <laughs> I can feel yeah, to this day, I, that's something that I haven't gotten over. Um, but it just made me want to know more. So I actually started studying with his mom Oh, to, to learn more about the religion. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Rome, I bet your mom was like jumping over the moon yeah, she thinking thought. that she was going to convert <laughs> India. Yeah. Yes. But, well, and even I'll, I'll, to piggyback on that point, like, like when I first brought up India to my mother and so forth, I'm just fellowshipped and everything. And, and granted, like, I don't have a relationship with my mom, but if I would come over to see my dad or something, you know, she would kind of just be around. So she would kind of hear the conversation and, and be a part of it and such, right? Um, indirectly, you know. Um, and I, I I mentioned, you know, yeah, India, you know, this girl in my life, you know, she's, you know, we've been going out and, you know, I'm really liking her and stuff. And my mom, once she found out how, you know, how old she was and, and just more about her, she was like, I don't want my son with this girl. Like, you know, she just had, she just, she just knew. She just knew that this wasn't the person for me. Yeah. And then plus she did, she knew that she wasn't a witness girl. She didn't grow up in the kingdom hall. So it's like, oh, she's definitely uh not for for my for my boy. So once she started studying, yeah. I was the best friend. She was the best <laughs> friend. After that. And so. I was really like triple negative too, because I come from I don't come from anything. Like I come from a bad area. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And I'm not from the nice part of Brooklyn. So, so, you know, like, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm tough. I'm a little tough 
And some people don't always see that I'm just a kind hearted person on the inside, but just don't mess with me. So I'm a little rough around the edges. I came from a rough neighborhood and I'm also not religious. I'm not JW. She did not. And I'm older than him. So I had everything against me. Um, but I did, I tried to make it clear to her what my, my objective was. I was going to be open-minded because I was raised to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like I explained her my objective of, you know, I just wanted to understand, did I ever think that I would become a Jehovah's Witness? No, but I was able to open my ears and listen and dialogue and yeah, Bible study. And yeah, you know, study the Bible <laughs> and have a conversation. Even yeah. having a conversation is tough because you can't have a conversation. Um, you can't have a conversation when you're learning the Bible because, um, well, you didn't touch on this, but I remember one time I had a Bible study and I think it was the scripture where it talks about, what is it? The 144,000? Saved. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> there you go. So. There you go. It was, so we got to that point and I noticed before that whenever we studied, the study would be, okay, we're going to go over like this scripture or this page and, you know, his mom would read it and then she would tell me what that scripture meant. And that's (laughs) when I knew I could never be part of the religion because can I read it and can I, to me, can I like take in what it means? I don't want someone else telling me what it means. Right. Right. Well, you know, so that was the whole big thing for me. She would, and now she would tell me what it meant. And I was like, I didn't read it that way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, I would ask questions and they're very, it's very good because they just go to another scripture to explain, you know, a question, which I think is great, but it just never resonated with me that it just, I just never it just never got to me, but it, it yeah. definitely helped me understand a lot and understand why he's treated the way he is. Why, like when his sister got married, he was allowed to go to the wedding, which isn't normal because he shouldn't be there, but we had to leave and he couldn't say hi to anybody. He couldn't even give his sister a hug, you oh. know, or anything. Yeah. So it made me understand but even though I understand, it doesn't make me accept accept yeah. it. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember any of the things that maybe specific things that you learned while studying with his mother where you're like, oh, that's why Rome is this way <sighs> and kind of bridge the gap? I'm sure a lot of people listening have been in your shoes. I married someone who is kind of like you, India, and he's like, Mormonism, what? Like, why are you this way? <laughs> so now he knows a lot more about why I am the way that I am. But it takes a lot of time and understanding. And first of all, I just want to say congrats and amazing work on being open and willing to learn about this because not everybody is willing to take their own time to really understand their partner's background in the depth that you did. So good job. Rome, you got a good one. (laughs) You're not a triple negative. You're like a 10 plus. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you remember any of those specific things where maybe someone else watching is in your shoes could also benefit from some of that advice? Yeah. So the birthday thing is the first thing that comes to mind. So, of course, in, you know, of course, we study the scriptures about why um, you know, Jehovah's Witness do not celebrate birthdays. And as Jerome or Rome touched on it earlier, it was just based on situations that happen. And the two times it was uh, mentioned in their Bible, um, it's just, you know, bad things happen. But um, I would ask, like, where does it actually state, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. not to celebrate <laughs> birthdays? And that could never you know, I'm I'm a I'm a person that asks a lot of questions too, <laughs> um, in general. So it, I could never get that answer. Yeah. It would just show me. It would just show me the scripture and then explain to me the scripture, explain to me their interpretation of the scripture. So that allowed me to be patient. So you know, I will communicate with Rome about, you know, is it okay if I do something for your birthday? And even if I did something and I see that it was hard for him to have a good time or accept it, I didn't internalize it. And I didn't, I wasn't upset. 
because I learned that this is something that he was raised with from when he was 19 years old. He can't just switch, you know, into like now how like just society is and just like in a drop of a dime, just make it okay. He he's struggling with it. It's like he sees like the joy and everything this brings and the celebration. But he was taught one thing for so long that I that I had to just have the patience to accept that maybe he won't be able to celebrate his birthday. But I didn't want to ever stop trying because yeah. I wanted him to have that joy, you Aww. know, that we all get to have. So That's so nice. That, yeah. So the other thing is Christmas. So yeah. Christmas was also it, so for my family. And Christmas, Thanksgiving, holidays, those two holidays, it's not really about the holiday for us. It's really about the time that we can get together as a family. You know, you're off work, you know, uh, we get together, you know, Thanksgiving, we talk about things we're thankful for and things of that nature. We have a great meal. We just all get to see each other. Christmas, we also, it's another time that like I have memories like, you know, putting up the tree with my grandmother. It's just really memories for us. Mm-hmm. And I had to really, like, really be comfortable with him not being okay with celebrating Christmas. And, you know, every year I would ask, and, you know, communicate and ask if it was okay. And It was every year, y'all. It was every year. Yeah, it's every, it's, it's every year because, you know, holidays every year. So, you know, if he would say, no, it's okay. We would talk about when we have children how does he feel? Because I want my children to be able to experience these things. He said he, you know, he grew to be okay. But just recently, like maybe two years ago, he just was okay with me putting up a tree. Mm. And we've been together for 12 years. So, wow, yeah, it just allowed me to patience to be able to understand, not become frustrated with him because he doesn't want to celebrate these things. And Eventually, you know, he started to feel better or feel more comfortable with wanting to celebrate or accept these things. Um, now, everything that comes with it, I can still understand why, you know, like India, I don't want to spend all this money just because yeah. it's the same. <laughs> I don't either. So my family did not spend a lot of money. It was the only thing they did was it was gift for kids. That's it. So, yeah, those those are some of the things that I think helped me to understand and have patience which i think a lot of people don't have in relationships like i agree you know (laughs) yeah yeah jerome how are you feeling now then about all of the holidays have you like landed in a place of acceptance and first of all before you answer i just have to say even if to this day you are not okay with christmas that's okay like there are so many things that are difficult Mm -hmm. to unwind and deprogram when you're leaving a high control group high demand religion cult whatever it is when it's your reality for so long and you believe it so wholeheartedly and it's something that you have sacrificed for so long it's it can be hard to just one day be like oh i can do that now mm-hmm. <laughs> yep it takes a long time to be okay with something and there's yeah. always going to be those things that we're uncovering about ourselves and relearning and reshaping and that's okay so back to you <laughs> no no that, that was very no. well said very yeah. well said and uh as far as myself as far as where i stand now with christmas uh, i love it i don't mean i ain't even lie to you uh I'm, I'm you sure because you still give me a load of a hard time well it's only been two years so well yeah no literally <laughs> i, I want to say so what turned it around for me and i'll be totally honest and transparent that it was two christmases ago where we spent it with her family and it was my first like real Christmas experience, like to see like what exactly like families do on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And once I, I saw that and I got a taste of it, I'm like, yo, this isn't bad at all. Like, this Aww. is like essential. You know what I'm saying? Like this, like it was, it was one of the best times I've ever had. Um, it's just like, we were just all just huddled up in, in, in the house. And it was just like, we were just enjoying each other. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what she's been trying to tell me this whole time. And it's like, all right, now I get it. So, yeah. so now I look forward to it, to be honest with you. Oh. Um, I walk around with a Santa hat and all that. Like, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> I was very surprised that he did. Yeah, so, um, you still have your, yeah, he, you yeah. still have it for next year, right? Well, for next Christmas? Yeah, I keep, I, I have a Santa it. hat. Like, oh. I have a, like a whole Santa hat. I got a whole ugly sweater that I'm going to wear every year now. Um, yeah. The tree thing, I, the, that's probably the only thing I'm not like, 
100% with just yet is like because I just don't agree with like the logistics of a tree. It's not it's not necessarily he doesn't like the the dollar the, amount dollar. it comes with too. So. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just like I just don't. Yeah, I just don't. It's yeah. like, why do you have it to still spend doesn't money? make sense to me yet? So um, so yeah, that, that that's growing on me. Oh, that's amazing. I think the thing that stands out to me about your relationship is definitely the patience, the care that you both have for each other, the ability that you have to grow and change and and grow together is really beautiful. And the fact that India has been able to successfully model what a life outside Jehovah's Witnesses looks like in a positive way for you to be able to follow. So I think, do you have kids now? No, no, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Well, if you do have children, if you ever decide, <laughs> I think you'll both be great parents. And I think that um, even, yeah. And I, I think that what you have is really beautiful. And so I just want to commend your relationship. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate of course. There is one thing that I wanted to tie up a loose end with, which is your dad. And I'm sure everyone is wondering, once you left Jehovah's Witnesses, did your dad jump on the opportunity? Uh, did you bond in that way? Did you try out Christianity? What was that like? Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, I, <laughs> we got way closer um, after that point. It was actually almost, it, it was needed. It was. I, I felt like that was really the... The silver lining of the whole situation is that I got closer with my dad and um, he didn't go swoop right in and <laughs> and say, all right, come to church with me next Sunday, you know, type of thing. You know, he just mm-hmm. I think he was happy to see me free and to be able to make these decisions on my own at that point, because I'll never forget my dad told me right after I got this fellowship, it was like a few months after the fact. And I was kind of like in a rut about everything. I wasn't working, anything. And my dad told me, he was like, son, I feel like you lost your ambition, you know? And I I just took that to heart. And I was like, man, like, if he said that, then I must really be be, be looking um, like a bum out here, if, if that's the case. So um, ever since then, um, we, we were just always very close. We were just always very close from there. Um, you, you know, he would share scriptures with me. Some of those things would resonate. Some of, you know, some of the other things, you know, I, I was still heavily indoctrinated in and um, I still had my faith and belief in. So I was still Pimo physically in, uh, mentally out. Oh, excuse me. No, it's opposite. Yeah. Mentally and physically out? Meepo? <laughs> yeah. <it was> like- <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was out, but I still had like the the doctrine still instilled in me. Yeah. So uh, we ended up exploring a church we did. along the way, um, and it was it was big for us because we were at a real we were at a snag in our relationship. So we just we were at almost like a point of no return, and it was like, all right, let's give let's give this a shot, right? And sure enough, it worked out. It was we had a really good time starting mm-hmm. out where we had a community. I was learning about the Bible from my from my own interpretation um, yeah. for the first time ever. That was the biggest thing that I got mm-hmm. out of that experience was that I was finally learning the Bible from my interpretation instead of like what I was always told the scripture was supposed to mean. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. So so went and did that for about two years. And then I started seeing a lot of the same tendencies that, that I saw in the Kingdom Hall growing up as a children's witness and. We we got up out of that, um, <laughs> and I don't I don't agree with organized yeah. religion ever since. So. Yeah, and I had to for us our relationship too. I had to come to an understanding of why he didn't feel comfortable in the church setting or in that organized religious mm-hmm. setting. And from me learning, it took me a little bit, I think, but I didn't see it like that at first. I thought he just didn't want to go anymore. Oh, right. um, and I feel like he explained it to me that it felt like he was in the Je- Jehovah's Witness religion again. And as soon as I feel like he explained that it clicked to me right away and I was like, OK, we don't have to keep going anymore. And yeah. I was understanding for that because I knew that him being in that religion, how how much of an impact it had on him in a negative way and how much it just shaped his whole adulthood. That, you know, his whole adulthood, he's just had to work over just kind of retraining his mind to like not think the way he was taught 
for and to now think for himself. So it, that also me understanding the relationship also allowed him to just be like, okay, and not make it an argument or not understanding him. I was like, okay, I don't want him to feel that way anymore. So let's exit. And, you know, we talked to the pastors and stuff in the church and let them know how we felt and things of that nature. They were very receiving with the information, which was great. But I now understand that organized religion is just not something for him because it's triggering for him. Because it because in that sense, it reminds him of him being in that organization, in the JW organization. So um, I think that helped us to grow stronger, too. Yeah. yeah. And that makes sense. And I because I get this comment all the time, I have to put it forward. It happens almost every video. Everyone's like, yeah, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You still need to turn to God or I mean, whatever their beliefs are. And they have they have a right to their own beliefs. So I think the question that I want to ask you is, and you don't have to share if you don't want to, what your beliefs are now if you still, without organized religion, feel a connection to God or a God or what makes you feel happy and fulfilled? What is your version of consciousness? I mean, I still have a connection. I feel like with God, I, st I still have, I'm still a very spiritual person. Um, I just don't feel like that I need that that structure. The I don't want to say I don't need the community because I because you do need the community uh, to to a degree, or you need some type of community. Mm -hmm. But I just I don't believe in like having to have church like on on a Sunday or, or just like that. You have to go to these meetings. Um, you know, on certain days of the week, it's it's all of the the, the little specific the stuff rules that that I just don't believe in the rules. rules. Yeah, yeah, that makes so, sense. But uh, but yeah, I'm a pretty pretty spiritual. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm still spiritual. You know, we still pray. We still, um, yeah, you pray over your food every time. So we're still pretty spiritual people. <laughs> so that's <laughs> I'm sorry. But, He'll go without me. Like, <laughs> look, that is one thing I will never lose. I will never lose. I always pray for my food. Yeah. Like that is something. Like, like I'm being. It could be a cracker, and I pray for it. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. We both still have a relationship. Myself, I know I talk to God all the time. Um, mm -hmm. I actually have a closer relationship. Like to be very honest, and I feel like more mm -hmm. of a one on one relationship um that I've ever had before because I didn't grow up with religion at all like that was not something at all or I feel like well mm, no I feel like at all um always like was taught that there is a god out there but you know but I I kind of agree um I do agree with the community and I do think that the community can be in different ways um it doesn't have to be in a quote unquote church or whatever mm -hmm. a, the building is of whatever religion it is. It could be just gathering amongst friends who are like minded spiritually and right. you guys are gathering and talking and, and eating and getting along and helping each other out. There's a lot of different ways that I feel like that we can have church based on the actual definition of church. Right. Because the definition of church doesn't say anything about an actual building. Right. Um, or a kingdom hall or something <laughs> like that. So, <laughs> or whatever it is that it is, a mosque, whatever. But um, we're still very spiritual people. And we still believe that there is a higher being. There is, we still believe in God. Um, and with that, we just grow closer and closer in our marriage. And I think we've become better people. We communicate very well with each other yeah. because we have that spirituality between us. So we still have it. We're just not part of an organized religion. Yeah. And I love that because I think it's just important to find what works for you. And if being in an organized religion works for you, then that's great. If you find yeah, that it's a little okay. too controlling and you don't like the rules, and that's okay too if you don't want to be a part of it. So if I may step on my soapbox here for a minute, all the people who – it's interesting. I get in the comments, people will say, well, that's clearly a cult, but here are the rules that you should follow. And then I'm like, mm, they don't see it. They don't, they're not, they don't see it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's yes. like, okay, that's that's fine if you want to live that way, but I don't like impressing that impressing my beliefs onto other people. And that's kind of the whole point of the channel is I'm not saying 
I left a cult and this is how you do it. I'm saying I left a cult and this is what works for me. You guys left a cult. That's what works for you. And I like to find what people's definition of consciousness is to them, which is finding their own individual sovereignty, uh, the awareness of self, being able to be governed by self and have your own independence. To me, okay. that's that's what consciousness is. And if that means being atheist, great. If that means being agnostic, great. Or like you guys, spiritual, believing in a higher power, amazing. So I always just like to ask that question. And then I just had to give that little uh, soapbox moment. I was like, guys, yes, like I love that you agree <laughs> that some of these <laughs> groups are culty, but please stop pushing your version of a cult onto somebody yes. else yes. because we don't yes. need that. Yes. We don't need that. And I know it's usually done out of the kindness of their heart because they believe that they are saving people. Mm-hmm. I understand. I've been that person. I promise. I've been that person. Um, but now I just I take a more laid back approach and and I want to let people do what they want to do. So with that being said, I kind of gave my Linda Listen moment. Linda Listen, stop pushing your stuff on me. Oh, <laughs> uh, what is your Linda Listen? I need one from each of you. The sassy statement as the viral video with the toddler goes uh, or something inspirational up to you. I'll go first because you go with the inspirational stuff. So for me, (laughs) for me in a nutshell, I I really just believe that we know right from wrong. I feel like it's really that simple, but we have the choice to do what's right or wrong. We were, you know, regardless of what you believe, we do have that free spirit. And I feel like that we can look at ourselves and make the correct choices that we need for ourselves. And also when we do wrong, we know we do wrong. And if we do wrong, then we have to accept that. And then we have to apologize for that and also recognize that and move on. Um, So I think it's just as simple as I think many of us, I won't say everyone because I can't. But I think most people know right from wrong. And I think it's just simple as that. And just love people. Yeah. Just love people. Yeah. Just love upon people. There That's it. And love is simple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would just say, Linda, listen, morality is inherently innate in all of us. And you don't need religion to tell you how to be good because you you already know how to be a good person. You put that so. <laughs> I mean, you laid you, you laid the groundwork. I just oh, I just no. built the bricks on top. Uh, all right, Rome, what do you got for me? I mean, honestly, it's it's my my quote that I live by is it's, it's be motivated, be great, be encouraged, um, and that's just for anybody who's in the position where they are, you know, trying to transition um, into a new way of life, and you know they have their doubts. Just be encouraged. Just be encouraged and stay motivated and and try to be the the greatest person or the greatest version of you while you're doing it. Um, I think those three things are are just huge in, in um, in that transition. I love it. Well, you guys are so inspirational. Thank you for sharing your story. And I'm just so happy that you came on and you're just a beacon of light, both of you. Um, so thank you again. Do you have anything else you want to add? And then we're going to plug all your things. <laughs> oh, no, just um, uh, for, for all those, you know, who were able to get something from my story or from our story, uh, you know, please reach out to us. I mean, we would mm-hmm. love to hear from you. Um, and like I say, just be encouraged. That's the biggest thing I want people to take I away. I love it. Yeah, you can chat in the comments. And um, if there is any particular way that you want people to get a hold of you, we can also put that in the description. Everyone go check out Rome's book, Cult Language. And we're going to list an affiliate link in the description below as well. Do you want to drop your social media handles? Yeah, so you can follow me on IG at Romy did it. That's R-O-M-E-Y-D-I-D-I-T. Um, or, and you can follow me at underscore the various on IG as well. So um, I'll be looking forward to, to, to hearing from you. Um, I'm also on Facebook as well under Rome Jones. You can definitely find the book on Amazon, Cult Language. I am going to be releasing the audio book here this weekend. Oh, um, and that will be on the various.com. So uh, and that's T-H-E-V-A-R-I-U-S. Uh, com. Perfect. So, so that, that, you will have the full audio version up there. Great. What about you, India? Oh, and I'm simple. You can follow. <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on IG. I am India underscore Renee underscore. So India spelled just like the country. Renee R E N N E. 
Perfect. Well, you guys have been a delight, seriously. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> of course. And for anyone watching, if you want to support the podcast, it would mean the world if you could become a patron at patreon.com slash cults to consciousness. We are doing behind the scenes stuff over there, having some uh, discussions on future episodes. So if you want the tea, you got to go on over to Patreon. But uh, for everyone else watching, if you love this video, you would probably like the one that I did with my fiance, now husband. Uh, I will link it here. <laughs> We talked. <laughs> yeah, he knows he's a DJ. Uh, we talked about what it was like um, getting together, me as an ex-Mormon, and him not knowing anything about Colts, but now he knows everything. So uh, you may be interested in that episode. And until next time, follow your highest excitement to be conscious and be well. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot if you could like and subscribe on YouTube and leave a review or a comment to help with our visibility. You can also find me on social media at Colts to Consciousness or reach out by email at Colts to Consciousness at gmail.com.